the potter wants to put you back together again. The potter wants to put you back together again. Thank you to the music department, the music ministry, uh, for putting that selection together. They had no idea what today's message was going to be, as they usually don't. Uh, but God is always right on time. My brothers and my sisters, last Sunday, in the Christian liturgical calendar, we have entered into the season of Advent. Advent is derived from the Latin word adventus, which simply means coming. Therefore, the Advent season is the season where the, the Christian community, where people of faith engage in intentional appreciation and celebration for the coming of Jesus the Christ. The Advent season is the season in which we celebrate his coming down. We should be uniquely appreciative of the Advent season because the Advent season is the season that reminds us that he is not just God, the God who came, he is the God who comes. And there are some of us, and there are some of us who have gone through some seasons of life where we were like Jesus, stretched out on the cross and asking, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of us have been through some things where mentally we know that God is there, but in the midst of that season, we are like, God, where are you? I know you see me going through some things. Where are you? I know that you know the rent is due. Where are you? I know that you know these kids need food to eat. Where are you? I know you see the bills are due. Where are you? I know you see this government trying to, co trying to continue oppressing us. Where are you? I know you see us getting slain in the streets. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Is there anyone this morning who will honestly admit that there have been some times in your life when you have wondered, God, where are you? The Advent season reminds us that God is not just God Elohim, which means God. He is God. He is Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
He isn't just the God who came. He's the God who comes. He's a God who exists in these present times, in the right here and in the right now. So when Moses asked God to identify himself, He didn't say I was. He didn't say I will be. He identified himself as the I am. I am that I am. That, my brothers and my sisters, is the season of Advent, which is the beginning of the Christian calendar. I was reminded during the week in our meetings that I had neglected last week to provide a little teaching moment about the Advent season in which we find ourselves today. Amen. The Advent season begins right after Thanksgiving and runs through the new year. My brothers and my sisters, let us prepare to receive the word of God. In our world today, we see repeatedly, we see all the time, hopelessness on our streets. We see weeping in hospitals and death in our homes, and we see death right here in the church. We have people right here in the church who are so broken spiritually and emotionally who are waiting for a stirring of the waters, who are waiting for an instant blessing, who are waiting for instant healing and instant transformation. Right here, right here, right here in the church, we see people who aren't doing anything for God. We see people who are lying down idle, watching, judging, criticizing. We see people who think they know how it should be done. But who are not doing a thing. We have people, we have people who, 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 who come to church who, who are physically broken, who are emotionally and who are broken, who are emotionally broken and who are broken spiritually seeking a healing. People broken from bad relationships. People broken from abusive relationships. People broken from being used and abused. Used at work, abused at home, and used and abused right here in God's church. People just broken, waiting for a little help waiting for someone to help them into the stirring waters of God's healing. Others come. Others come. 
They get into God's living waters. They get their wholeness. And they move on, all while the rest of us are just lying on our mats of brokenness, our mats of illness, our mats of depression, our mats of control, our mats of grief, our mats of abuse, our mats of addiction, our mats of anger, our mats of judgment, our mats of fear, our mats of stress, our mats of pain, our mats of loneliness, our mats of insecurity our mats of high blood pressure, migraines, arthritis, hypertension, high cholesterol, and other physical ailments. We are just lying on our mats. We are, we are, we are about four weeks we are about four weeks from the new year, and yet some of us are going to find ourselves in the same conditions we have been in for quite some time. Broken. Some of us, some of us broken people have been broken for a very long time. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and even 40 plus years. Broken, waiting, wanting, believing, longing, waiting, lonely, and looking for a revival in our lives. Some of us, just some of us, a few of us here this morning have given up on that revival. Is that you this morning, my brothers? Is that you this morning, my sisters? This morning, if you will, I want to share a story with you. A story of waiting. A story of questioning. A story of loneliness. And finally, a story of revival. Someone here this morning needs a revival. Someone here this morning needs to be made whole. And that someone here this morning, that someone may be within the sound of my voice, that someone may just be you. So, I'm going to ask that we, we not put up our spiritual umbrellas, that we not put up our spiritual umbrellas so that the world runs off onto our neighbors. And then I'm going to sit down and God's going to do what God is going to do. My brothers and my sisters, this morning, if you will, please turn with me. Please scroll with me in our basic instructions before leaving earth, our life's owner's manual, the Holy Bible. Turn with me to the Gospel of John, the fifth chapter. We were there this morning in our New Testament lesson. The fifth chapter of John, the Gospel according to John, and we're going to begin with verse 1. As recorded in the New King James Version, starting with the first verse, 
of the fifth chapter of the Gospel of John. After there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus, of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time in the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already, and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another step down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise up! Take up your bed and walk. And immediately, immediately, the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said this to you? Take up your bed and walk. But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Jesus had withdrawn and a multitude had been in that place. Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father God, Clear all, of our, clear all of our hearts, our minds, and our souls that we may be open to receiving the word that you would have for us to receive today. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope and my will be lost in thine. Amen. This morning, my brothers and my sisters, I want to focus on verse 5 of, of verses 5 through 9 of the fifth chapter of the gospel according to John, where we may just see our own reflection. Amen. And they read again as recorded in the New King James Version. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity, a condition, a sickness, which caused him to be an invalid, 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, in that condition, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Do you want 
to get well. Verse 7. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise up, take up your bed, and walk. Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Verse 9, and immediately, immediately the man was made whole, cured, and took up his bed and walked. Immediately the man took up his bed and walked. The Bible tells us that, that, that Jesus was in Jerusalem for a feast or, or, or festival. And in Jerusalem there was a pool which was called Bethesda. What's ironic is that the name Bethesda or, or Bethsaida literally means the house of mercy. Think about it. Think of Jerusalem as a place of peace. And there are some people there, there are some people here who have no peace. Verse 1 tells us that, that, that there was a feast and that there was a, a festival for all to rejoice. But, but, but beyond this atmosphere of celebration can be heard the groans of pain. People pushing others in a horrific stampede, even killing in this tragic competition. Who is going to be the first person who is going to be the first to be healed. People came to this place, people came to this pool called Bethesda to be healed, and instead of being healed, they are being pushed away. Imagine, my brothers and my sisters, imagine the tense atmosphere, the waiting with an eye on the water and the other on your neighbor. Each neighbor is your competitor who could steal your healing. Days, weeks, months, years of endless waiting. Maybe today. Maybe this night. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Just maybe I'll be made whole. Just maybe, maybe, just maybe I'll be able to pick up my bed and just maybe, just maybe I'll be able to walk. The people called this place, the people called this pool the house of mercy, not the temple. 
But this place was called the house of mercy. You see, the temple became a, a business place. The temple became a place of deception. The temple became a den of thieves where the priests and the Levites would tell the people that their animal sacrifices were too skinny. Or they would tell the people that their animal sacrifices were crippled and to go and buy a better offering from this vendor or from that vendor who would only jack up the prices and rip the people off. After, after, after they had already been cheated at the table of the money exchangers. Maybe, 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 maybe. No, my beloved, no, 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 this temple, no, this temple was, was, wasn't a place of mercy. No, this temple wasn't a place of healing. No, this temple was not a place of wholeness. No, this temple was not a place of love. No, this temple wasn't an open door of sanctuary. You see, the temple had become a den of thieves. Ripping the people off who had traveled for miles and miles and miles with their sacrificial animals only to be told something was wrong with the animal only to be told something your sacrifice is not good enough so here we are God stirred the waters at the pool so that the people would be made whole since they weren't being made whole in the temple. Mm, almost sounds, almost sounds like our churches today. No mercy, no healing, no wholeness, no love, just a den of judgments and thieves and convictions. The temple had its own currency. And if you wanted to pay your tithes, if you wanted to pay your offerings, you needed to exchange your money at outrageous exchange rates. You see, this was the main reason why sick and disabled people walked away. This is why sick and disabled people walk away from religion and choose to believe instead in Bethesda's muddy waters to be healed. But even there, things were not for free. Even there, things weren't what they seemed. Imagine, my brothers and my sisters, these new beatitudes, this mindset, this new mindset of the people. Blessed are those who know how to elbow and manipulate their way through this thing called life, for they will live well. Blessed are those who are strong, because their hearts will never hurt. Blessed are those who can create problems, for they will be respected by those around them. The priest 
the priests and the Levites said that, that, that the solution was money. But the ordinary, the ordinary people, the sick people, believed that the solution was a miracle. How many of us this morning believe that the solution to our problems is a miracle? The solution was not, in fact, a miracle. The solution to the problem then, just like it is now, just like it is today, is the person of Jesus, the Christ. Jesus, the Christ. Moving on, moving on, moving on in our story this morning, the Bible tells us that there was a certain man who, which was infirmed or impotent, powerless, for 38 years. Verse 5. Let's take a look. Verse 5. For 38 long years, this man laid on his pallet, his bed beside the pool of Bethesda, laid on his bed beside the house of mercy, waiting, seeing his reflection in the water, waiting for 38 years. He was so close. He had been so close for 38 years years. He was right at the edge of a breakthrough. He was so close to his miracle, he could taste it. He was so close to his breakthrough, he could smell it. He could see it. How many of us here this morning, when we really stop and think about it, when we really stop and think about our situations, think about our conditions, can just taste the breakthrough, can smell the breakthrough, but, 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 but can't or won't do anything about it. We just lay there, waiting in our condition, just waiting. Is there anybody here this morning waiting? Is there anybody here this morning waiting for a breakthrough? Is there anybody here this morning waiting for their miracle? Waiting, waiting, waiting. Those 38 years, this man laid there must have seemed like an eternity to this man. How long is 38 years, my brothers and my sisters? How long is 38 years to go unloved? How long is 38 years to be suffering from a broken heart? How long is 38 years to be powerless? How long is 38 years to be in your addiction? How long is 38 years to be angry with someone? How long is 38 years to be in fear? How long is 38 years to have a dream go unlived? How long is 38 years to raise a child only to be told to kiss when the sun doesn't shine? How long is 38 years to be in a loveless relationship? How long is it 38 years to swoon after that man or swoon after that woman who is not going to marry you? How long is 38 years? Long enough. Long enough that most of us 
If we're honest with ourselves, long enough that most of us would have gotten used to being in our, in our condition. Long enough that most of us, if we're honest about it, would have ended up forgetting that we were in a condition. How long is 38 years? Long enough that most of us would have stopped believing that our time had come. Long enough that most of us would have given up believing, but no, not this man not this man you see he laid there because other people believe the water had healing powers when stirred just like some people come to church come to come to this place of healing this house of mercy, just like some of us come to church a place of peace, broken hurt, abused neglected wounded, left out and forgotten about, powerless, lying on the bed of our condition. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just like some of us come to church, come to this place of healing, come to this house of mercy, some of us come to this church broken, hurt, abused, neglected, wounded, left out and forgotten about, powerless. We come lying on the bed of our condition. Many sick people are sitting today in our pews, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, the powerless. Anybody there? Anybody blind and not seeing the hand of God in your life? Anybody deaf and not hearing the voice of Jesus? Anybody lame or paralyzed, unable to do something for God or for his church? Anybody ever been there? How many of us, my brothers and my sisters, want to stop repeating the same mistakes over and over again? How many of us want to stop going through the same cycles in our relationships? How many of us feel it's safer to blame the other person for our conditions instead of dealing with our own issues? How many of us want to let go of those control issues we have, we harbor? How many of us want to get out of that constant state of anger we find ourselves in? How much longer are we going to hold on to our conditions. Another year, another two years, another decade, another 20 years, another 38 years, Jesus asked this man the same thing. Look at verse 6 and 7. Verse 6 and 7 says, when Jesus saw him lying there, yes, Jesus sees you lying there too. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to be well? 
The King James Version says, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent, powerless man answered him, Sir, he made excuses. Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus didn't ask him that. Jesus asked him none of that. What is Jesus asking you today? And what is your response? As I read over this, as I read this over and over and over again, I, I, I kind of chuckled, thinking, this poor dude. I said to myself, Kenny, that's not funny. But I thought, now isn't that just like us? Here, God is asking him if he wants to be made whole, if he wants to be made well, and, and what is he doing? He's making excuses. It's a simple yes or no question, but instead of giving a yes or no answer, what does he say? He says, I'm lonely. He says, I'm alone. He says, I have no help. He says, I tried to get into the pool, but I can't. He says, no one will help me. He says, everyone runs by me when the water is stirred up. But Jesus already knows these things. Those aren't the questions. His question was, do you want to be made Whole. Just like, just like, just like Jesus knew this man's circumstances before he even asked the man if he wanted to be made whole, Jesus knows your circumstances. Yet he still wants to know do you want to be made whole? Are you willing to be made whole? Do you want to get well? Do you want to be made whole? Jesus already knows. Jesus already knows you're still in your anger, yet he wants to know, will thou be made whole? Do you want to get well? Jesus already knows you're still in your fear, yet all he wants to know is, do you want to be made whole? Jesus already knows you're still in your physical pain, in your arthritis, in your high blood pressure, in your diabetes, in your bad back, in your bad knees, in your broken bones, yet he wants to know, do you, will you be made whole? Do you want to get well? Jesus already knows you married the wrong man, you married the wrong woman, yet he still wants to know, do you want to be made whole? Jesus already knows how lonely you are, how badly you want to mate, how badly you want to be a spouse, yet he still wants to know, do you want to be made whole? Jesus already knows you're, you're barely making ends meet, trying to pay those bills, that mortgage or that rent, 
that cable, that electricity, that cell phone bill, those student loans, trying to pay for that medicine, trying, 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 trying. Yet he still wants to know, do you want to be made whole? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus already knows the pain you're still in after the breakup of that relationship, after the passing of your husband, after the passing of your wife, yet he still wants to know, do you want to be made whole? Jesus already knows the pain you're suffering after your baby daddy has walked out on you and that child, yet Jesus still wants to know do you want to be made whole? You see, Jesus already knows your pain and confusion returning to, a, returning to a society that refuses to welcome you back and has changed during your incarceration, yet he still wants to know, do you want to be made whole? Jesus already knows the pain you're in after your children don't want to have anything to do with you, yet he still wants to know, do you want to be made whole? Jesus, oh my God. Listen, beloved. Listen. Jesus isn't interested in the reason for your condition. He simply offers. He simply offers. He simply offers to make us whole. There are so many things that we hold on to. So many things that we allow to stop us from receiving what God through Jesus the Christ has and wants for us. But let's look at what happens. Verse 8 tells us that, verse 8 tells us that even though this man who had been in his condition for 38 years made excuses. And even in all of his excuses, even in all of his excuses, Jesus makes him whole. Verse 8 and verse 9 tells us, Jesus saith unto him, Rise up, take up your bed, and walk. Rise up, take up your bed, and walk. Rise up! Take up your bed and walk and immediately, not tomorrow, not tonight, immediately the man was made what? Whole. Immediately the man was made whole. The critical thing the critical thing, my brothers and my sisters, the critical thing for us to remember is that in this instance, this directive was made to someone who hadn't done much of anything for anyone, including himself, for many years. Now, 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 in a matter of one encounter with Jesus, in one encounter with Jesus, he is being asked, he is being directed, he is being commanded to get up from a place where he was obviously somewhat comfortable. Not only did the man get up, not only did the man take up his bed, but he got out of his condition. He took up his bed and he walked, yet he was made whole. 
Jesus said, take up thy bed and walk. How many of us, how many times has this been said to us in our spirit? How many times have we ignored it due to our own pity party? How many times, how many of us are still at the pool waiting to be cured? How many of us are still at the pool waiting? Waiting to be Cured. But where the story doesn't end there, look at what Jesus told this man. Jesus told him to get up. Jesus told him to stop feeling sorry for yourself. Jesus told him to get up out of that condition. Jesus told him to get up out of that worry. Jesus told him to get up out of that fear. Jesus told him to get up out of that insecurity. Jesus told him to get up out of that jealousy. Jesus told him to get up out of that poverty thinking. Jesus told him to get up out of that addiction. Jesus told him to get up out that I, I can't do mindset. Jesus told him to get up out of that. I hope this is worth it thinking. Jesus told him to get out of that state of being. Jesus told him to get out of that state of mind. <coughs> Jesus told him to get out of that state of mind. Just like, just like this man was paralyzed, just like this man was powerless, some of us right here in this church have been paralyzed by our situations. Some of us right here in Open Door Sanctuary have been paralyzed by our circumstances. We have forgotten, we have forgotten what it is like when we first came to Jesus. We've forgotten, we have forgotten the joy it is to be in Christ. We have forgotten when we were excited and on fire for the Lord. We have forgotten what it was like to be what it was like to get to church early. We have forgotten what it was like to be excited when the hymn is announced. We have forgotten what it is like when we could hardly wait to give our tithes and offerings. We have forgotten what it was like when we were overcome with joy at the preaching of salvation. We have forgotten what it is like to have joy. We have forgotten what it was like to have peace. We have forgotten what it was like to have happiness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We have forgotten. We have forgotten. And Jesus wants someone this morning to get up. Jesus wants someone this morning to get up, to take up your bed of anger, walk, and let it go. It's not your time. It's your turn. And he wants to bless you in your comings, and he wants to bless you in your goings. Jesus wants someone here this morning to get up. Take up your bed of fear. Walk and let it go. It's not only your time, it's your turn. And he wants to bless all that you put your hands to. So start that business. Write that book. Jesus wants someone this morning to get up. Take up your bed. Take up your bed of pain. Walk. Let it go. It's not only your time, it's your turn. And he wants to be 
your doctor and your healer. Jesus wants someone this morning to get up. Take up your bed of addiction. Walk. Let it go. It's not only your time, but it's your turn. He wants to be your counselor and your shepherd. Jesus wants someone this morning to get up. Take up your bed. Take up your bed of needing to be in control. Walk. Let it go. It's not only your time, but it's your turn. He wants to be your peace that passes all understanding. Jesus wants someone this morning to get up. Take up your bed of insecurity. Walk. Let it go. It's not only your time, but it's your turn. Register for that GED. Register for that undergraduate program. Register for that graduate program. Apply for that job. Jesus, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, was somebody here this morning to get up, take up your bed of stress. Walk, let it go. It's not only your time, but it's your turn. He wants to keep you from falling so he can present you faultless. Hallelujah. Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, you see. You see, my brothers and my sisters, and I'm almost done. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You see, church, Jesus has been with us through all of time. In Genesis, he is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he was the most high priest. In Numbers, he is a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is the great prophet. In Joshua, he's the captain of salvation. In Judges, he is the lawgiver. In Ruth, he is the kinsman's redeemer. In Samuel, he's a trusted prophet. In Kings, he's a reigning king. In Ezra, he is revealed as the broken walls of human rights. And Job, he is the everlasting redeemer. Hallelujah. And Psalms, he is our shepherd and we shall not want. And Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he is all wisdom. And Isaiah, he is the prince of peace. And Jeremiah, he is the weeping prophet. And Jeremiah, he is the righteous branch. And Lamentations, he is the weeping prophet. And Ezekiel, he is the wonderful counselor. And Daniel, he was the fourth man in the fiery furnace. And Hosea, he is the husband forever married to the backslider. And Joel, he is the Holy Ghost empire. And Obadiah, he was that many were saved. And Micah, he is a messenger of beautiful faith. And Habakkuk, he is God's evangelist. And Zephaniah, he is our savior. And Haggai, he is the restorer of God's lost children. And Malachi, he is the son of righteousness. And Matthew, thank you, Jesus. He is the great Messiah. And Mark, he is the wonderful worker. And Luke, he is 
the great physician and master fisherman. And John, he is the Son of Man. And Acts, he is the Holy Ghost, our Comforter and our God. And Romans, he is a great justifier. And First Corinthians, he is almighty sanctifier. And Second Corinthians, he is the great leader. And Galatians, he is the redeemer of personal law. And Ephesians, he is the Christ son of the living God. And Colossians, he is the fullness of the Godhead. Hallelujah. And Thessalonians, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And Thessalonians, he is our soon coming king. And Timothy, he is our mediator between God and man. And Titus, he is a faithful pastor. And Philemon, he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And Hebrews, he is the blood of the everlasting covenant. And James, he's a doctor when you need him. And Peter, he is the chief shepherd. And first, second, and third John, he is love. And Jude, he is God that keeps you from stumbling. Hallelujah. And Revelations, he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus, my brothers and my sisters, said, get up, get up, get up. Take up your bed and walk. Hallelujah. Get up. Get up. Get up. Take up your bed. Walk, my brothers. Walk, my sisters. Walk, beloved. Walk.